Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I, was, um, I was a bishop uh-huh. in, in the UK and okay. to, have, to have someone to share the load with would have yeah. been ama- amazing because yeah. to look after the spiritual and physical welfare of a ward yeah. is two yeah. full-time jobs. It's and a big job. Yeah. A paid, I, I genuinely think a paid ministry is required, um, at least in some respects. Yeah. Because to have, have volunteers running the church all the way up to Salt Lake, yeah. you, you're leaving it in the hands of kind of untrained, well-meaning brethren exactly yeah but sometimes we end up in situations where our our actual job doesn't give us the skills required to handle and deal with that Uh, and i I was in those situations i was very young bishop at 23 had no life experience and no training (laughs) and ended up in some really sticky situations um well even even a pastor who has had training and and maybe salaried and working full time in that role, you know, I've been there, and yeah. it's still hard. It, it's it's more than a full time job, yeah. and uh, you have uh, in any group of people in any congregation, any ward, you've got. Well, in in an LDS ward, typically there's around four hundred members, roughly. In the U.S. In the U.S. That I'm, um, but even if you only have a hundred, you, you've got two thousand problems with a hundred people. Yeah. So if you have four hundred people in the ward, you've got. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's always a handful of well-intentioned dragons oh. among the members. Um, they, uh, you know, they they are a dime a dozen. And bless their hearts, you know, they're trying to do the right thing and they, they really are sincere and devout, but they just upset the apple cart every time you turn around and you've got to deal with all that. Let me, let me tell you this. Um, we, we had a family and now I grew up in the church where my dad told me, you never say no to the bishop. Yeah. Whenever a call comes, it's from the Lord. You never say no. And sure. it was always just understood that when there was a sustaining vote, you always sustained, you always thanked, you never yeah. had a problem with it because the bishop was saying so. Okay. Right. Right. Went right. to this yeah. new ward where my wife is from, and it was unreal. People would just oppose all the time. Wow. Even when even when I was called as bishop, fortunately I was sat towards the front of the chapel. People were opposing behind me. And I'm like, when Very I found, yeah, so the state president took me to one side afterwards and they sat me down and said, okay, there's, there's, this person's opposed. We're, the state president's going to speak with them now. Can you tell yeah. us about anything that they might know that oh, will, okay, sure. will surprise yeah. us or that will preclude yeah. your call? Uh, right. And it t- turned out to be nothing. But in that ward, yeah. the they'd seen people oppose that many times that, it just became oh. a thing that you you just yeah. did it. Um, oh. So, but there was one family that, as you say, would if it wasn't their way, it was the wrong way. 
And in this ward, we had about 500 people on the rolls and about 60 would come to church. So we were doing a okay. lot of work to try and clean up the rolls and sure. to, find, yeah. to find people. But on a yeah. Sunday, we'd got quite a large chapel mm -hmm. and pe people were really spread out. Yeah. So what, yeah. what I decided was we would close off um, a small portion at the back of the chapel because it was kind of one of their multi-purpose. You know the sure. big golden screens that come across? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. Standard we, equipment in LDS buildings. Yeah. So yeah. We, we, we'd, we'd pull them across because yep. it, it probably only cut out five or six rows at the back. Mm, right, but right. It, it would force everyone to come into the chapel and be together and yep. sing it singing together rather than trying to fill this cavernous space yeah yeah yep. mm -hmm. well yep. there there was one family and it wasn't just so and it was just wasn't just a family it was the parents and they'd all got three four or five kids um who also had partners and their children who sat oh in that space wow. and that was their yep. space that was their space oh my and there was oh. so they were so upset with it that even when um, the screens were closed, they would still sit in their space behind the screens for sacrament meeting. Oh my gosh! Oh jeez! It was it was oh, like no. it was like a Mexican yeah. standoff. They were they were playing chicken to basically say, "No, we don't agree." And you will yeah. open the screens if you want us to take part. And I was sat there on the stand saying this is ridiculous i'm not opening yeah. the screens because they'll ride roughshod over me for the next five years if i do right that's right um, yeah. Yeah. and then they started complaining because the young men weren't bringing the sacrament in because i said okay. to them we, we only serve the sacrament to people in the chapel and nursing mothers so yeah. serving the chapel go up to the mother's lounge and see if there's anyone around that requires the sacrament and yep. if anyone else wants it, they can come into the chapel and get it. Oh, the, the pure bloody mindedness was unreal. And that was just one of many. Um, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we, yeah. we have we have the ward system here in the UK. It's um, the and the the we don't have aldermen anymore, but they used to be aldermen going way back. Um, but we still have sure. the wards. Okay. With okay, councilors. in the city, the city divisions. Yes. Okay. All yeah, right. yeah. All, all over the whole country is divided into wards and councils. Uh -huh. um, okay. So, so I, I always thought that was a weird juxtaposition with the church and the wards. But yeah. now, now that you say where it comes from, it makes total sense. Yep. Yeah. Okay. It's very practical. Very practical yeah. organization. Yeah. So. Well, it's your ward, yeah. isn't it? It's your responsibility. Yes exactly yeah i think it, yeah. it must come from the old um old english uh to take a I, I'm, I'm sure i'm sure yeah it had to come from england because that's you know the united states basically was a, a you know modeled on england except we didn't want a king uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we we uh well no i i like the royal family but um yeah it's, I rather enjoy don't the, really do the anything old... now with Paddington Bear and the Queen the other day. But did you see that? That was... Uh, yeah. Oh, yes, it was delightful. I was impressed that she did it, to be honest with you. I, I was too. It's like, you know, this this gal's got something going on for her. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, anyway. Just, 
pulling up. Okay. Okay, everyone, bear with me one moment. We are about to move on to uh, the fabulous book that Steve has written, going by the name of The Divergent Paths of the Restoration. And hopefully, we can see it on the screen in a moment. Here we go. Um, so here at Goodreads, $5, everyone, I'll put the link in the description below or eight forty nine on Kindle. It is definitely worth it. The Divergent what, What's $5? Sorry? Is it five? No, it's not $5. What's that? Oh, it's five. Oh, oh five, five star, star rating. Five star wow. rating. Even better. Oh, wow. Eight, That's amazing. Wow. $8.49 on Kindle. And I'd give it a five-star rating as well. In fact, I will go on oh, to... Well, I, I got mine from Apple Books. Um, okay. I'll go on there and give yeah. it a rating. But yes, uh, please go on wherever yeah. you get your, uh, your Amazon Kindle book. has it. Barnes & Noble has it on their format. Uh, you know, so I mean, uh, whatever format people want, yeah. Yeah, but this is what it looks like. Um, it's got yeah. the green cover and the uh, the... Oh, picture of Joseph silhouette. Smith. Silhouette. Silhouette, that's silhouette. what I was looking for, of Joseph Smith. Uh, but we're going to get into this now and take yeah. a look. We, we won't ruin it for you because there is so much in there. Um, but I picked out a few a few bits to talk about. Okay. Um, so yeah. before we do, when did you start writing the book? I, I started writing the book when I was a senior in high school. Uh, <laughs> wow. I was, I was 16 and a half, 17 maybe. Um in, uh, in Utah, uh, the uh, seminary program adjacent, the, the seminaries are adjacent to the high school campuses, and students are able to take one period a day from high school and go across and get their Mormon training. I didn't want to mess out on my academics, and so I went to early morning seminary, uh, still at the building adjacent to the high school. So it was just, you know, I wasn't having to go distance. Once I got there, I was at school. Um, the seminary teachers all ganged up on us and felt like those who did early morning seminary were, uh, could handle more work. And so they made us do term papers, which most people in daytime classes never had to do. So by the time I finished three years of seminary, I'd done 12 term papers and I was running dry. But as our, my, my senior year seminary class was church history, I, uh, just one day, cleaning out my, my cupboard at home, uh, came across a stack of tracts that I'd picked up at the Kirtland Temple a year or two prior. Uh, and I'd been rather disturbed by these tracts. Here's this apostate group claiming Joseph Smith, you know, and I thought that was just really obnoxious of them. And so I wrote a term paper on how foolish and false the RLDS church was, and all the seminary teachers loved it. So I was reading the paper to classes and, and um, you know, they were applauding my wonderful arguments about why the RLDS church was false. And in one of the classes, one of the kids said, well, you know, I was in independence last summer with my family and there's another church there that claims Joseph Smith too. And so I said, oh, there's my second term paper right there. It's the church of Christ on the temple lot. So I began working on, you know, well, it, it just snowballed. And the first edition of Divergent Pass was published at the end of my freshman year at BYU. So uh, I'd spend all of my weekend hours uh, working on that book. 
in the library doing the research, writing letters back and forth to these different church people who were around. And, and uh, here we are, uh, you know, almost 50 years later, and we've done the fifth edition. Uh, and uh, uh, that's, you know, it started from a early morning seminary term paper project. And basically, it's, it's the only thing I've really ever done in church history because it's been completely life consuming, but I don't regret that. I've met, I've met hundreds of fascinating people, prophets and presidents and apostles and you name the lot. Some of them are despicable people. Most of them are wonderful people who are kind, kind hearted, try to follow a Christ-like life. And then, you know, digging into the history for those that are no longer around, trying to track down who they were and what they were about and where they were and so on. Uh, but it's, uh, I just, you know, and, and working on edition five took me uh, about 10 years to do it because I, I decided to rewrite the whole thing from the beginning. Wow. rather than just add to what I had done in the fourth edition, needed a rewrite. And uh, uh, it needed a, a better way of sourcing information, needed some kind of a system to try and keep track of everybody. Uh, a pure chronology uh, wasn't necessarily accurate because you'd lose, you'd disconnect some of the groups that sprang from groups that sprang from groups that sprang from groups. And so I came up with a system that, it's not perfect. My 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 uh, decimal numbering system's not perfect, but it's it was a way to get a handle on sometimes multiple generations out of one expression. And and uh, you know trying to sort all that out. And and sometimes people would be here and then they'd be over there and back here again. And uh, nothing's nothing's a straight line. So yeah, uh, it just needed to be redone and. Uh, I started the project in 2006 with 18 large cartons full of file folders uh, on the floor of my study and, uh, you know, just slogging through it all bit by bit, page by page, piece by piece. And wow. I, you know, I, I was just, and, and finally I got it done and I said, I've got to stop somewhere because these groups are going to continue to emerge and I can't just keep, I've got to stop and get it published. Then we go on from there. But uh, I was very grateful to Signature Books for tackling the project, albeit they decided only to do the ebook format. Mm. But at more than 1,000 pages, a, a printed book would have had to be two volumes, and that would have upped the price and uh, uh, made it less accessible. But, uh, I, you know, I. I, I have a good friend who's an editor, and I asked her once about uh, the Chicago style, uh, Chicago manual of style that we use in the U.S. a lot. And it, it's, you know, it's that thick. And I said, well, it's online. What do you prefer? And she said, if it doesn't break my toe when I drop it, I don't trust it. So, <laughs> so I'm, that way, I'm that way with my book, too. It's like, well, I know it's the 21st century and ebooks and all that and the other, but... Uh, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I guess I'm more touchy feely than I thought. <laughs> it'd, it'd be nice to have a small run of hardbacks. Yeah. 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 
Well, well it's out there. Uh, uh, people apparently are liking it. If I got a five star rating, that's wow. Yeah. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's good. What, what was the reaction to the book from both the Brighamite Utah Church and from the Community of Christ? Um, well, uh, I, it's, it's always been well received in the church history communities. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, there's never been any official, I, I, I would say that most community of Christ church leaders know who they know who I am. And so they know the book, uh, most, uh, LDS church leaders wouldn't have a clue who I was. Uh, or knowing about the book, uh, yeah. unless they're in the church history department at church headquarters. And, and some of those folks know me well. And uh, so, you know, but uh, uh, I, I've, I've never, I, I've had a couple of complaints uh, in earlier editions, which I tried to resolve, uh, where I, I hadn't done my homework as thoroughly as I should have. And uh, I've tried to correct those deficiencies. But but uh, like, like Moroni says in the Book of Mormon, and, and, and whether you, it doesn't matter how you look at the Book of Mormon historical or not, the wisdom yep. that he, he yep. says, if there are mistakes, <laughs> it's because I'm human. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so I've said the same thing in the fifth edition. It's like I've done, I've, I've tried hard, <laughs> but inevitably there will be mistakes. So just acknowledge that. And if you let me know, I'm happy, happy to correct it next time around, you know, and, and, uh, uh, I'm, I'm learning still. And, uh, you know, I think that is being able to say either, I don't know, or I'm happy to be corrected is very refreshing when you come from a Mormonism background where you it's constantly, I know, I know, I know, and uh, you cannot question authority. Um, so mm -hmm. that's yeah, that's yeah. Um, but going to Moroni I think it's interesting when I speak to members of the church or the the Utah sect because the church goes heavy on Moroni's promise and the whole oh, thing yeah. around missionary work is Moroni's right. promise proving right. the book of Mormon as the fruits of Joseph Smith and that yeah. proves that the Brighamite sect is true right yeah because in the Brighamite sect, you have no idea of any of these other churches. You've heard of the RLDS. And, you, and maybe, yeah. Other yeah, than that, no. You've, yeah. you've no idea. You just think that the Book of Mormon and Joseph Smith is this one church only, and that there was nothing else, that no yeah. other church uses the Book of Mormon. Um, but I, I've said to my family members, you know, it's, yes, if you believe the Book of Mormon is true, fantastic. Now you have to figure out which sect that uses the Book of Mormon is true. So yeah, yeah. go and go and test the fruits of Brigham Young, um, because they're a bit off. <laughs> I uh, now this is pre-pandemic because uh, two years ago, you know, the whole world changed for us. Yeah. But before that, I would occasionally see uh, LDS missionaries on the street, and uh, they would see another uh, non-Korean-looking person. I can't really hide out in the crowd here. Uh, and they'd often come up to me and say, oh, hi, how are you? You know, and just, you know, I'd be friendly. And they'd say, well, well, have you ever heard of the Book of Mormon? And I said, well, yes, as a matter of fact, I have. Oh, you have. 
And I said, yes, I used to be one of you when I was 19 and 20. Oh, wow. Oh, that's great. And I said, but now I'm, I'm, I left the church and, oh no, that's so sad. And, uh, well, well, and they flipped the book of Mormon. Haven't you read Moroni's promise and prayed about that? And I said, well, yes, matter of fact, I have many times. And, uh, uh, I was told to uh, leave the Mormon church and join another one. And I, <laughs> I do that just kind of be, to be in their face. I, I, and it's not very kind of me, I know. Uh, but uh, they just, they're kind of taken aback by that. And they said, well, what about, and they start trying to flip through different, I said, dude, I've read the book hundreds of times. I, I, I know all of those verses. And uh, they just, they just can't conceive no. And, and okay, they're 19, they're 20, uh, you know, uh, yeah. they're, they're, you know, I, I, I was, I was like that when I was 19 and 20. And I think back of some of the experiences that I had as a young LDS missionary here in Korea. And I kind of, you know, slap my head and say, Oh my gosh, I didn't do that. Did I? Yeah, I did. <laughs> so, you know, what do you do? Uh, I usually try to be nicer to people, but sometimes I just, I'm yeah. sorry. Well, yeah, I, if it was me, I would carry pass along cards with an email address on to say, if you email me, I'll email you a free copy of okay, uh, yes. of the book as a as a missionary for you to look at. Um, yep. as, a, as a missionary yep. tool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I, yeah. I guess if I've got this visual that we we looked at a little okay. bit earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah, that. that that, that that really kind of shows uh, in a visual way a lot of and and you know I can see here PD that you've got you know you've got a line coming down and then some jogs up and then some more jogs up and that that gets to what I was saying earlier about those different generational expressions and uh, so yeah, yeah you've you've done a good visual here uh, well it, yeah. it's not mine I've downloaded it from the internet oh. so I'll oh, leave. Okay. For anyone who wants oh, to look at it, I will put yeah. a link in the description below to where you can find this. Well, I um, wonder. I wonder who's done show. this. They've done a pretty good job of it. Yeah. Uh, you'd think maybe they had my book as a way to start. Quite possibly. <laughs> Quite possibly. Oh yeah. Oh, so, you know, it could be could be my friend John Hamer. John who, Hamer, uh, possibly. Yeah, he he may have done this. Yeah, because uh, he's well versed. He's well versed in all this. He's one of the few people that uh, he and I can actually talk about the entire book and and know all the the details inside. It's uh, there's so much information there, and he's like a sponge. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the three. Well, but yeah, I, I've kind of broken it into three or maybe four areas. Um, we've got here, mm -hmm. which is the um, you've called it the original church era. Uh, which is right. pre pre eighteen forty four, and then you've got the fragmentation era up to the eighteen sixties here, right. and then yeah. post nineteen twenty, uh, we obviously get the polygamous uh, break off in nineteen twenty, right. and then you've got right. this this kind of uh, common era here, more recent uh, break offs. But if we if we look first, because I found it very interesting that there were breakoffs pre eighteen forty four, I was always taught um, uh, just about the RLDS 
and that Sig- okay. Sidney Rigdon was deceived by Satan and deceived the Smith family and took them away to the RLDS. And Brigham mm. Young took on the image of Joseph. And yeah, yeah that's that's kind of where uh, my understanding came from. So when I looked at this and realized that there were actual breakaways before Joseph Smith died, that um, shocked me mm. a little mm. bit. And I'd like to ask you about a couple of them. <laughs> the first one that stuck out to me was Black Pete. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Black Pete, uh, was he really a break-off or was he something else? It's, it's uh, yeah. uh, he, he was an African, uh, uh, you know, slave stock. Uh, when we, when the church first got to Ohio, there was this outpouring of, of uh, charismatic spirit. And so you had Black Pete, you had Mrs. Hubble, Laura Hubble, uh, Hiram Page, you know, was getting revelations from a seer stone. And uh, there was this free spirited movement. And, and, you know, people were not necessarily breaking away from the church. They were just following some spiritual line that was compatible with what Joseph Smith had been talking about, angels and visitations and uh, revelations. Um, but, but Joseph tried to put a stop to it all and said, no, only, only me can give revelations for the church and uh, tried to squelch that, uh, that charismatic outpouring that, that had become pretty prevalent in 1831 and two in Kirtland. Um, by 36, when the temple was dedicated, uh, you, you just, you don't see, you see other, other groups that, that set up separate, but it wasn't for charismatic reasons. Yeah. Uh, those, those early expressions of that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you know, kind of reminiscent of what happened on the day of Pentecost in some ways to the early apostles. Uh, but uh, spiritualism uh, and, and this kind of stuff, the, the whole area where Joseph was in New York, Pennsylvania, all through his era and well into the early 1900s was this, this spiritual cauldron. There were dozens upon dozens of people communicating with the other side and receiving visitations and visions. And, um, so there was just something I think inherent in those early people. Uh, which have been called seekers by uh, some in the uh, Mormon history community, uh, that, uh, you know, they were looking for that sort of charismatic connection. Uh, and so, you know, Black Pete was one of those. Yeah. Um, uh, unfortunately, we don't know a whole lot about him. Uh, you know, there just isn't much more uh, the, than, than that. So... Yeah, and I think from from some of them, you've got you've noted um, the independent church, who were right. upset with the worldly kind of actions of Joseph and the yeah. church leaders, but they came from a Quaker background. Right. Yeah. So you'd yeah. you'd understand that they were quite strict. Yeah. Yeah. So very when, strict. Very. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. So when people are coming into this new church from other religious backgrounds, you've got them maybe having some issues with assimilating with the new leadership styles because Joseph was yeah. a charismatic leader and yes. was a, a socialite. Yeah. 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 Um, one that I thought was interesting uh, with Warren Parish in 1837, yeah. 1838, around the Curtin right. Banking Society. Yeah. Can you tell us more about that? You know that that uh, that whole incident was uh, you know the the Kirtland Anti Banking Company. Yes. Uh, you know because they couldn't get a license to actually have a bank, they just made up their own bank. Yeah. And uh, uh, Warren Parrish had been the treasurer. He was a faithful member of the church. And when the books didn't balance, uh, the only possible culprits were Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon. Uh, whose names were signed on all the banknotes. Yes. Uh, and uh, so that 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 whole economic thing came to a, a terrible head and uh, Parrish and, and those who had basically lost all of their money to this anti-banking company said, we're, we're done. We're done with you, Joseph and Sydney. We you guys are thieves. Yeah. And uh, the church doesn't need the likes of you. And so they tried to do something on their own. But uh, without that charismatic leader, yeah. you don't get too far. They didn't get far with that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think um, because there was some, some counterclaim from Joseph against them as or against right. him as the treasurer. And did right. he take yeah. three, three apostles with him as well? I believe that's correct. I think three of the twelve went with Parrish. Yeah, um, and and I against I think, Joseph. I think this was the point that kind of triggered the eighteen thirty eight revelations around the priesthood and Joseph having received the priesthood and being the only one with the authority. It was the great apostasy right. kind of right. thing um, that the church yeah. survived it, but Joseph put his foot down and made it so that no one could break away again because they would not have the authority that came through him. Right. Um, but right. we see that pe people did. Um, yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting that it was 1838 also when the name of the church was changed again, not the first time. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it, and it was 1838 when the church was to be called the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, that's all caught up in that whole milieu of what was going on and how Joseph was trying to assert, uh, you know, final authority yeah. uh, over the church. And and you know, I mean, I, I don't I don't have any criticism of him doing that. It was his it was his baby, yeah. you know. So, uh, but but because of that, uh, you end up with uh, people that were uncomfortable, and you know, we we lost the whole Whitmer family over it. Yeah. Uh, you know, they just, they said, no, that's not what was intended back when, you know, because the Whitmers were right there on the ground floor and uh, they didn't like Sidney Rigdon anyway. So, uh, yeah, it, it was a, it was a tough time. Okay. Well, another one that surprised me was this one, the true church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And this was probably yeah. the one that has had the most impact upon 
um, Mormonism, in my opinion, because this is the one that triggered the martyrdom of Joseph right. Smith. Yep. And this That's this right. one was uh, William Law and his brother. William Law, yep, and his brother, um, the Fosters and the Higbees, six, six men. Uh, William Law had been a counselor in the first presidency. Uh, earlier in, in 1844, Joseph had basically released him from that. Um, and, and uh, you know, there were rampant rumors of uh, marital infidelity running around town, uh, Joseph being the leader of the pack. And, uh, you know, William Law and the others said, no, this is not, you know, we're, we're not, we're not okay with all this. And so they published their one and only issue of the Nauvoo Expositor. Mm -hmm. uh, and Joseph, in his role as mayor, said uh, they're a public nuisance. And so a team of people went up to the Expositor printing office and pied the type, which means they took the type trays and dumped them out in the street. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, that was the end of the Expositor. Uh, that's where Joseph probably overstepped his bounds by violating freedom of speech yeah uh, and, and within within days he's dead at carthage uh you know it yeah. was uh, maybe two weeks later I, I forget exactly the dates but but it's not long yeah and uh, and, it, and it really got you know newspapers in those days were really almost sacred uh and uh uh, you had newspapers in bigger cities, you know, the Chicago Democrat and the Chicago Republican, and they, they followed those lines of political uh, uh, affiliation almost, even though they were not technically, uh, you know, a, a part of those parties. Uh, but the editors lined themselves. And so uh, in Nauvoo, you had the, the Nauvoo neighbor, which was the the city newspaper and uh and then you had the Nauvoo expositor try to come out as an alternative voice and you know it was squashed and so just down the river in warsaw tom sharp you know in his warsaw signal he was always against joseph smith anyway and and the the potential political uh power of the city of Nauvoo um uh, and uh you know you got these newcomers coming in in a block like that Longtime residents aren't going to be really happy. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of hard to fault Thomas Sharp completely. Uh, but and, and newspapers were good at, you know, rabble raising. You know, they just they get people all excited. And doesn't that still happen today? You get stuff running around on, you know, videos that go viral on uh, absolutely YouTube or Facebook. It's kind of the same thing. And uh you know, in, in my own country's political history, just in, in the last uh, year and a half, we had, you know, similar kind of a rabble rousing that, you know, they ended up attacking the uh, Capitol building and, and you know, uh, and I, I think, you know, uh, my, uh, uh, we, my good friend, the British ambassador to Korea and I were talking about Kai Fox Day the other day. Uh, you yes. know, and the uh, even though that's a few hundred years ago, but the plot to blow up Parliament in London and yeah, yeah, so that's just, you know that's this is just human nature and and but Joseph wasn't wasn't having it and 
he tried to put his foot down, but it was too little too late. Yeah. Uh, it would have been interesting had he continued to live, what kind of transformations, because the church between 1830 and, and 1844 had transformed itself uh, time and again. I mean, it was just a total transformation over those years. Uh, if he lived longer, it would be interesting to see where it might have ended up. But uh, that's a question we, we can only speculate on and, and never know. Yeah, I I think... I don't, I don't know if the church did better because they had a martyr or, you know what I mean? If it would have, yeah, which way it yeah. would have gone was, was having right, yeah. a, a martyr to coalesce around. Was that better for them? I'm not saying it was a good thing, you know? No, 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 I hear you. Yeah. But that that uh, gives a, it's a powerful focus point yeah. for people to, to kind of cling on to something that, you know, unites them and, 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 you know, for the folks at Nauvoo and those who went West with Brigham Young, that, that was really a focal point for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and well, it, uh, it stirred up a lot of strong you know, feeling as well. Um, yeah. That, that kind of persecution complex yeah. almost stems yeah, from yeah. the early treatment of the saints. Um, right. So, and I, I think, in Mormonism, that even comes through today, that anything said against the church yeah. is just a continuation yes. of that persecution. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, but I've just seen this one, and I, I've not seen this one. The Church of Christ, chubby. Um, I'm a chubby fella, so I'll ask about that. No, he's not. He wasn't chubby at all. Well, I don't know. He may have been. That, that That's a, a, a surname. Um, he, uh, he was probably mixed race, um, Native American and, uh, African, uh, okay. slave stock. And, uh, he, uh, he was kind of on again, off again with Brigham Young for a little while, um, openly began practicing, uh, polygamy, which, even Brigham Young was uncomfortable with at that time. We're still in the, you know, 1845, 46, and it hadn't been publicly proclaimed, even though most people knew something was going on. Uh, Chubby uh, uh, married a, a, an Anglo woman, uh, and they, they, she transformed herself into a Cherokee princess, and uh, the two of them made quite a, splash eventually in uh, 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 what should I call it naturopathic medicine uh, uh, you know treating uh, diseases with herbal remedies and things which which was not uncommon in the 1840s still you know we still weren't using a lot of modern surgical chemical medications mm -hmm. and uh, they uh, they spent a number of years in Ohio New York Toronto uh, Ontario uh, and eventually the two of them divorced and went separate ways and she continued practicing medicine and and uh they were were well known but for for the first few years they actually had quite a gathering of people and and uh, chubby took a second wife and uh some hard feelings and things like that got in the way and uh which you know i quite quite honestly uh PD, I, I can't 
conceive of having more than one wife. No. Because I couldn't live with even one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, with all due respect to the to the good uh, people who might be listening uh, or watching, um, you know, marriage at its very best is a challenge to the partners in that relationship. And uh, to when you start expanding the relationship beyond the two people to three people or four people or five people, uh, your your challenges grow exponentially. It's not just adding, you know, one plus one plus one. It's uh, so, um, uh, you know, it's uh, it's not surprising when we find that, you know, though the first wife had some trouble with the second wife and there was jealousies and things like that. And, so that, you know, a chubby uh, sort of, I, they, they really kind of never followed through on a long-term uh, trajectory of Mormonism, but the Book of Mormon for them was, you know, the Native American book. Yes. And, uh, they, uh, you know, they, that's where they were with their faith. Yeah. Um, well, so following the William Law incident, the martyrdom of Joseph Smith, we get into 1844 to 1860, as you've designated it, the fragmentation era. And looking here, we can see um, you've got in in the book six main kind of uh, offshoots at this point. Um, the Strangites, James Strang, with his own plates and his his own... Was it the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon that? No, he... no, not Strang. No, his, his were the brass plates of Laban. Okay. Um, and then there was uh, another set of plates called the Vori plates. Um, the record of Raja Manchu of Vori. Uh, so there were two, two plates, uh, plate books that he translated and produced. Yeah. And in the book, as Steve said earlier, these are some of the main offshoots, but then they fragment again later um, in time. And he's got each of the um, kind of subcategories from these main offshoots in there as well. And there are a lot, <laughs> a lot there, of during, during the During the fragmentation era, which, which begins after Joseph Smith's death and continued until the 1860s, um, there, there were 40 or 50 attempts at reforming the church. And uh, by the time we get to early 1860s, there really were only six that survived from then until the 21st century. Yeah. Uh, and those are the six main groupings that I've come up with. Strang, Alpheus Cutler, uh, Sidney uh, Rigdon, which became the, the, the kind of the parent of the uh, uh, William Bickerton's Church of Jesus Christ. Um, Brigham Young, of course, is one of those. And I, I do not subscribe to a smooth succession after Joseph Smith died. It was not uh, set that the president of the 12 should automatically take over the church. Uh, and uh, uh, it, it, it didn't happen overnight. It happened after three and a half years when Brigham finally said, I think we should reorganize the presidency. And the members of the 12 who followed him said, well, wh whatever you want, Brother Brigham, we'll go along with it. Um, and it wasn't that they were yes men necessarily. It was just, what else can we do? 
Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, you know, even Brigham Young himself never saw himself as a prophetic successor to Joseph. Uh, and he often in his early sermons, when that, he would talk about that, uh, you know, the, in the Journal of Discourses, uh, we have records of that. Um, <clears throat> but uh, uh, those six main groups become then the parents of all the others. Yeah. Uh, since since the uh, early part of the 20th century. Yeah. And if anyone is struggling to see uh, the Brighamite sect, when this was put together, uh, you can see down here, the central line is assumed to be uh, Joseph's original church up to 1844 and then the Brighamite sect going forwards. Oh, is that, is that how this guy's done that? Well, I haven't argued yeah. with that, but okay, <laughs> fine. Yeah, that's we'll how take they... it as, as visual, but not, not so, yeah. Yeah, I think at so that, that point, that's, that's supposed to be. Okay. yeah, I'd have put them on a separate yeah. line at that point, but that's how they've uh, put it together. Yeah, um, I, I would do it that way. I, I would have that, the line stops uh, by the fall of 1844 yeah so yeah yeah um but, but okay fine it's visual so yeah 